Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hello everybody. It's an actual nice summer day for once. It's not that humid out. I just got back from donating blood and, you know, it just, it feels good. Like, I, I recommend it to anyone who hasn't done it yet. It's really easy to do. You just sit back. It takes a little bit of time, depending on what it is you do. And then you head on out, and it just, you know, it helps people. It, it gives that sweet, sweet life juice that people need. You have extra, so you're giving it away, essentially. It, it just feels good. So if you haven't donated yet, just do it. That's all I want to say. Just do it. Give out that sweet, sweet life juice that everyone needs. Mm. Speaking of blood and gore and stuff like that, you know, segue that is totally forced and doesn't sound that well when I actually say it, is, uh, yeah, game combat in games. Now, I'm not talking controversy or anything like that. You know, I'm talking about the actual mechanic, the actual gameplay value of fighting things in games. And over time, just kind of how my take, like my opinion, has developed around it. And of course, like anything else, you could 100% disagree with everything I'm saying. That is totally possible. But I just wanted to kind of throw this out there because I started playing this game that I haven't touched in a long time. And I'm remembering why I really like it, but also kind of why I don't like it at the same time. And... The name of the game, give me a second. The name of the game is The Legend of Heroes Trials in the Sky. Yes, that is a mouthful. Yes, that is the full title. Now, it's, you know, it's a JRPG. It, it's lengthy. It has, uh, let's see, I've dumped in, I want to check, I want to say somewhere around like a good 30 hours or so into the freaking game. And I want to say I've barely touched the surface of it in terms of like everything that's going on. So, yeah, 37 hours, and that includes the two hours I spent the other day just starting it up again. Now, the reason why I kind of fell off playing this game is because of the combat. Now, the positives of this game, okay, what I love about this game. To JRPG, the characters are good. I really like the characters. They're charming. All right. The mechanics, uh, not of combat, but of your ability. So, like, what it is for your character is really cool. So... Typical RPG where you level up. You fight things, you get experience, you level up. All right, that's normal, all right? And leveling up mostly just gives you stats and occasionally gives you, like, a new ability. And the reason why is on the flip side, all your abilities come from what they call orbments. Orbments? It's like ornaments, but instead it's orbs. Because what you do is each character has this unique device that you're able to put what they call quartz into. And depending on the mixture of quartz that you have, will determine what abilities that character has access to. Now, the main character, of course, can take any courts, because like there's different styles of courts, different elements. Of course, the main character can take any, because of course she can. But every supporting character has some focus, like a certain element they focus on, or certain limitation, or something like that, that then they focus on, that does complement their stats. Because everyone's pretty much melee, but it depends on what kind of melee. Like, you know, high damage high defense, stuff like that. So what's really cool is, depending on what courts you put, determines what abilities you have access to. And not only that, the courts add in additional modifiers. So let's take the, the, fi the fire element, for example. All right, 
the fire element, the basic fire gym you can get at the very beginning, it's like pl plus 5% strength, but minus 5% defense. So that's a straight modification to your stats. But later you can get one that actually has deals fire damage. Like your melee attacks just deal fire damage. So it still has a fire element. It still gives you access to the fire type abilities. The They call them arts, but essentially it's spells to the fire spells. However, fundamentally as a character, you get a different bonus. So it's really cool, and I really enjoy that, because I like that idea of not only do you level up, but you build your character in a way. It's a new way of doing equipment, because like there's still standard equipment, like two accessories, chest piece, boots, and a melee weapon. You know, Everyone has that, so you get your standard equipment lineup, but then that just adds to the whole magic mumbo-jumbo. It's really cool. And beyond that, it's... You know, it's a standard RPG. It looks nice. I like the graphics of it. You know, go on this epic quest for this, that, and the other thing. You go from one town to the next, doing various things to help out people. Like, you're a bracer, which is, I'm a person who does, essentially, you're the hero. You know, you do quests to help people out. You know, standard stuff. So, all in all, a pretty standard game with a really cool mechanic for using magic and abilities. The reason why I was starting to dislike it, and this isn't, like, so much of a dislike that I hate the game, it just was rubbing me the wrong way, is that being an RPG, there's the grind. There was a point I reached against this one boss where I wasn't a high enough level for it, so I had to go grind to level up my stats and get better courts. But of course, that requires going in. I, mean, I did all the quests in the area, so I had to just go fight random monsters. But of course, I was high enough of a level that I wiped through the monsters pretty easily. So I was stuck on the boss... But the monsters in the area were fairly easy. I could wipe them out quickly. I don't like that. I don't I don't like the grind. I know some people do. I mean, essentially the grind is almost like a collectathon of experience. And at least in he in Legend of Heroes, you also get additional Septith that you use to make courts, depending on what monsters you fight. So you're essentially collecting more materials, we'll call them materials, to make the courts to get the spells, and you're collecting XP to level up and improve your stats. So in a sense, it's like a collect-a-thon, but with a lot more violence, and it's tedious violence. Like, I don't I don't like an RPG that you walk down the road, and I know where, boo, you get jumped and you go into a fight, and, you know, okay, cool, I beat the monster in a minute or two, moving on. As time has gone on, I used to be okay with that. I used to be fine with that. I didn't care. But as time went on, I started to develop more of a taste for fights that matter, fights that have agency. And that's where some RPGs, some, struggle greatly. Because you can level up, there needs to be some sense of being able to get XP if you so choose or if you need it. So there's additional fights you can do. And now here's the thing, okay, with these optional fights, with agency fights. Agency fights mean... This battle means something either story-related, okay, or it's an actual threat to the character. I'm not talking threat story-wise. I'm not talking threat like, shit, I actually might die and have to restart the fight kind of threat. That's a fight that has agency. That pulls me in because there's a reason why this fight exists. It's not just I'm punching a rat in the face and moving on. That kind of fight doesn't have agency. Now, these are this is a really important note to make. These agency fights, I'm only looking at what I'm going to call quest-based games, okay? Now, example of 
a non-quest-based game, for example. Something like Soul Calibur, Tekken, Smash Bros. You know, games that could have some form of single-player campaign if they so choose. However, the core gameplay is punching each other. So I'm not looking at those kind of games because that's like the core mechanic of it. You know, game quest-style games are those RPGs with an overarching story. Shooter games that have a campaign also can have this. You can have fights that actually matter or, you know, hair-raising and intense. And you could also have just, okay, I shoot a couple soldiers and move on. Like, you could have that in shooters. Okay, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So agency fights, the fights that, for me, matter a lot. Like I said, does it impact my chance of success significantly? Okay? Easy examples to give, games like Fury, Enter the Gungan, Slay the Spire. Okay, those are three right off the top of my head I can think of. In Fury, it's just you versus the boss, which, that's a different story. We'll get into that later. That's just amazing. But in terms of, you know, trash mobs. We all call it trash mobs. Those random little guys that you just fight. Enter the Gungan and Slay the Spire, it means a lot. And Enter the Gungan, it's hard to come across HP pickups. Like, sometimes you luck out, but for the most part, they're more on the rarer side. So getting shot by some little Joe Blow within the third room of the dungeon means something. Yeah, okay, cool, I probably could buy some HP from the shop, and going through all, if I get shot in the first chamber, by the time I get to the fifth chamber, I'll probably get that HP back. All right? It adds up, though. Every little mistake you make while fighting someone adds up. And on top of that, with the exception of the starter guns and, like, two or three other actual guns, I'm not talking about the melee weapons, guns have ammo. So if I missed that shot in this random trash room that I ended up not—it was a dead-end room. I didn't have to go in here. You know, it was leading to the obelette, and I actually didn't want to go to the obelette, so I didn't need to go into this room. Any ammo I use in there is now ammo I'm missing for, let's say, the boss fight. That's coming at the end of the chamber. And then in terms of the boss fight itself, again, if I get shot, okay, that's HP that I might not be able to recover easily anytime soon. And only that, if I get hit by the boss, that means I don't get a master round. And a master round means I get a whole new heart container, which is amazing, especially in a game like Enter the Gungan. So every fight there, even though a lot of the game is going through essentially trash mobs, just a bunch of random enemies in different rooms... There's a certain agency to every fight. Every fight demands my attention and demands care because slipping up means less ammo, less health, and hell, even less money because I know getting shot means you get less money. So that's impactful. That It matters there. With Slay the Spire, if you're playing the Ironclad, you can get HP back at the end of every combat, and some of his cards focus on generating XP. However, he generates less defense overall compared to the other two classes that we currently have. But everyone else, the other two classes, the Silent and the Defect, outside of like a Colorless card, there's very little chance for them to get HP back in terms of abilities. So right there, each fight matters outside of the boss. Each event you go to matters. Your choices matter in terms of what resources am I going to have, how much health am I going to have remaining, you know, let's say, you know, the Golden Isle that you can get in Act 1 is really important. It allows you to get a lot of extra money. However, taking the Golden Idol means you get a Curse card, which for the Iron, for certain deck builds is fine because you can just exhaust it in combat and actually get a benefit out of it. But the other two, losing max HP or just losing, eight, like, taking damage, holy shit, like, is it worth the trade? Like, 
your health is the only resource in State of the Spire that matters. It's the only resource you have really to give up. Cards, yes, but a lot of times, if you have a chance to remove a card, you're going to take advantage of it anyway because you don't want, like, a trash strike. Like, strike is good in the beginning, but by the end, by Act 3, I want to have good cards. So if I can get rid of a strike, I'll more than willingly do that. The only real resource that has weight is your HP. So every fight is calling my attention. Yes, some are easier than others. That's 100% true, and most of the things in the second act in the city can go suck a fucking dick because I, I hate them all, and they're a pain in the ass to fight. Still, I digress, those fights matter. Slay the Spire fights matter and demand my attention, so I'm invested in them. And at least with Fury, since it's just you and the boss, the story is built around you escaping this prison and fighting each jailer one after the other... And every time you approach a jailer, there's some dialogue and narration that goes on, some exposition, the opening cutscene before you fight them, the closing cutscene when you kill them, and then the closing exposition narration. So the fight, there's a lot going on there. Like, the entire goal is to beat each of these people, but there's no drag time between it. All right? Imagine if you had an RPG with no trash mobs. It was just, you fight a boss, then you fight the next boss, you fight the next boss, and you level up based on how well you did against the boss. Well, there's Fury just without the leveling up. And that's why I love it, because I want to do good in each fight. One, it progresses the story, and two, it demands it. Like, that game demands your attention to some regard. There is some weight, both as a player, just progressing through the game in general, but also the story as a whole. You learn a lot as you confront and defeat each jailer one after another, which is... I think it's an amazing way to tell a story, okay? And the combat itself is just fun. Like, each of those games go about combat differently. Enter the Gungan, real-time, bullet hell, you're shooting at enemies, okay? You're able to dodge roll to get past things. It's all good. Slay the Spire, you take a turn, you have three energy unless you increase that over time. You play cards to do the thing. Either you attack, you block, whatever, okay? And then the enemy does one thing on their turn. Each enemy does a thing that you are shown what they plan to do. And then Fury, I mean, I guess we'll call it like hack and slash action because it's mostly just getting up in the boss's grill, attacking them, hitting them with your sword, shooting at them, dodging their attacks, you know, a lot of pattern recognition, stuff like that. So each of them go about combat completely different, but each of them give that same feel of agency, of combat that actually matters to the game. In something like The Legend of Heroes, I'm walking down the road and I get jumped by a monster on the road. And I'm still in this opening area. I'm still in the prologue, but I'm a I'm of a high enough level at this point that I can kill most of the things in the starting area in one hit. So it sucks when I have a quest that says go to the tower that's at the end of this highway, and there's three you know chunks. We'll just call them chunks, like different screens of highway to traverse that has a bunch of monsters. It's just kind of tedious. Like I just want to get to the tower to do. Th- the mission there, like do the quest, because there, that's where the challenge is going to be. That's where the fights matter. That's where I'm going to fight monsters that are a challenge. That's where I'm going to have an impact on the story. That's where I'm going to focus on like that. Fighting the random plants on the way there that I just poke and walk on is tedious to me. I, I don't want to do it. Yes, I can get Sepathis to then build more courts later. I'm just not feeling it. Okay? Yes. It shows growth. It shows how I've gotten stronger by taking on these trash mobs so easily now. 100%. That's part of the reason why we have those in RPGs, to show player growth. 
I just prefer player growth on the main quest in terms of the story. I'll do side missions, yes, but whatever. Side missions help out with that. But still, if I'm doing a side quest, that fight matters for that side quest. There's a specific reason why I'm fighting these creatures so I can get this certain reward, whether it's just money or it's a special item along with it. Like there's, there's something there. There's some reason there. Heck, sometimes side quests involve fighting special unique monsters. I like that. But just that trash, it's I dislike it, okay? Some games, I really just dislike it and it turns me completely, okay? But not all the time. Like I said, The Legend of Heroes, I'm getting back into it because I, I enjoy everything else about the game. I really do. I really enjoy the characters. I love how they interact with one another. I really love how they do getting spells and that, quote, you know, let's call it like improvement, not really leveling up, but just improving your character. I love all of that, and I love just the universe built around it, okay? So I'm going to stick with it. Now, let's look at first-person shooters, okay, that have a actual single-player campaign or even co-op campaign. What do trash mobs look like there? Well, it's just random soldiers. I mean, granted, you're going to need that. You're, you're obviously going to need some sort of obstacle between point A and point B. And it's the reason why, as much as I like first-person shooters, I prefer them for multiplayer than single-player, simply because... How it's hard to wrap a compelling story around I'm just shooting bad guys. Because really, how unique can you be with that? If you're doing, I mean, I'm talking straight up first person shooter, you know, Halo, Call of Duty, stuff like that. A straight up first person shooter where there is no player progression because it's not an RPG. The only progression is straight up you just going from point A to point B. Yes, it can have a great story, which is usually what keeps me going. Like, I loved Halo Reach. I really enjoyed Halo Reach's story. I thought it was great. And overall, I just like the mechanics of it. I like how it's built. All right? After that, like Halo 4, I didn't like how they changed things up for multiplayer and doing, you know, loadouts and stuff like that. They did loadouts differently. They had less guns. So Reach, I think, was really good overall just being a first-person shooter and also just having a campaign that I was intrigued by. I haven't gone back and played through it again. I, I find it hard to do that for that reason. So I'm like, I'm just shooting bad guys again. Yeah, I can play it on legendary mode. There's nothing else to it. Though. Like, there's no, there's no other reason for me to go back and really go through it because it's mostly just trash mobs. It's mostly me just shooting up bad guys. Move on, okay? That's partially why I was really captivated by Vanquish. As much as yes, Vanquish is just fighting one bad guy after the next and fighting swarms of robots. The way it has over-the-top action was amazing. The fact that I could use the suit to glide across the ground and then jump in the air and slow down time to fill something full of lead was really fun. And because they had that mechanic of you can go zoom fast and then slow down time with your suit, the combat was bigger and harder. I remember a few times where there'd be sections that I was stuck because if I... Because you you have an overheat meter because obviously when you're trying to increase your reflexes and, you know, use jets and stuff like that. It produces heat and you, you put straight on your body. If I didn't manage that resource, that that overheating meter, if I didn't manage that properly, I was screwed because there was so much on the screen coming at me. It was actually like a bullet hell, but a third-person shooter-style bullet hell where I'm looking over the character's shoulder and seeing all this shit coming at me. I needed to be able to manage where my cover is, where I'm going to go next, and if I have enough... I don't know. I'm not going to, you know, enough on the meter, I guess we'll say, to 
dash to the next bit of cover or slow down time enough to shoot a couple people. And then not only with that, because there's so much going on, it goes back to that whole enter the Gungan thing. Guns have ammo. And yeah, I got this really nice shotgun, but is it worth using the shotgun right now? Like, when's the next time I'm going to get ammo? Should I run up to use shotgun to quickly clear out these guys and this piece of cover to then use it to progress further down the hallway? Or do I stay back and take my time with a medium-range rifle, like an assault rifle or something? Because I'm not sure when I'm going to get ammo again, so I need to be careful with what I'm doing. And that's where survival horror games are great with making trash mobs matter and making combat overall between big key parts of the story or boss fights that they have it matter. Everything is a resource that you don't know when you're going to get it again. I'm talking like, you know, Resident Evil. I'm talking Silent Hill, Dead Space 1 and 2, not not 3. We're not going to talk about 3. But Dead Space 1 especially and a bit of Dead Space 2. It really mattered when you used what? I never played Resident Evil or Silent Hill, so I can't talk too much about personal stories there, about keeping me enthralled and keeping me entertained and stuff like that. But I hear a lot of good stuff about it. You know, it they're landmarks. They're great. They Those games matter, especially the first one of each. With Dead Space, at least, Dead Space 1 and Dead Space 2, I have plenty of fond memories going through those games. And not just for the heart. Like, Dead Space 1 genuinely scared me a bit. That was, like, the one video game I actually played that I was like, holy shit, like, I'm a bit terrified right now. And not only because Dead Space 1 did very well with building atmosphere, but it was also every bullet, every med pack, everything, even the power notes, that shit carried weight. All right, the easiest one to talk about is the power notes. You use power notes to upgrade your weapons, which is great. You use power notes to upgrade your suit, which is great. You know, I have more health, I take less damage, I have more oxygen when I'm out, you know, in space, in a vacuum, which is really important sometimes, having more air. And in terms of weapon, it's like bigger clip sizes, more damage, you know, things like that. All well and good. That's great. Except there's a door over there. And that door requires a power node to get through. And I know if I open that door, there's going to be a lot of goodies on the other side of it because it requires a power node. This very powerful thing that you can buy them at the shop, but they're... If memory serves right, if memory serves right, there were 10,000 credits in Dead Space 1, if memory serves right. So, is it worth spending this thing that costs 10,000 credits to open up the door? It was either 10,000 or 1,000, I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm having a tough time remembering. Is it worth spending that much opening that door? It was 10,000. Opening that door to get, you know, med kits, ammo, that's pretty much it. It's really med kits and ammo past that door. Essentially, it's, it's immediate trade-off. I'm giving up the power node right now to get stuff that I need right now instead of saving it to the long-term improvement. Like, if I save the power node and not open the door, I can increase the damage of my pulse rifle, which will be great because that means the pulse rifle does more damage. It'll dismember Necromorphs faster, and therefore my survivability will go up. And I'm losing using less ammo to kill a Necromorph. So right there, you have that decision you have to make. From there, ammo medkits. Ammo is pretty self-explanatory. The more ammo I use to kill this guy, the less ammo I have later. And it's at least in Dead Space 1 and 2 where ammo was unique. Again, we're not going to talk about Dead Space 3 because they fucked up a lot in that game. In Dead Space 1 and 2, each weapon had unique ammo that mattered to it. And as per you know Resident Evil and Silent Hill, which 
the guys who made it, Visual Games, they gave a shout out to Resident Evil saying that was our inspiration. We were like, okay, what can we do with Resident Evil but make it like their idea was take Resident Evil but make it better, like make it more of a game that they're more that they would want kind of thing. And you see a lot of that in Dead Space 1 and 2 because resource management. You know, I have four guns. And each gun, you can have a stack of ammo, but it depends on the weapon. Like, pulse rifle can have more ammo per stack compared to the plasma cutter or the line gun. That carries less ammo per stack, and each stack takes up one slot in your inventory. And then every bullet that hits, good. Every bullet that mits, misses, shit. I just wasted that bullet that I needed to hit. Because not only with that, not only is it wasting the ammo because I missed, but if I missed, that means the Necromorph probably is charging at me, which is why I missed because I was panicking. That means it's going to get to me and hit me. I now have less health. Segway into med packs. Okay, I have all these med packs. You got the small med pack, the medium, and the large. The large, I want it, it tops you off. It gives you max health. So large health packs are great, but incredibly rare and very expensive at the shop. Small and medium, you know, self-explanatory. Small, I get a little bit. Medium, you get, you get a decent amount. It's all right. Mediums are the best in Dead Space, in my opinion. They're right in the middle. Good sweet spot. So I just get hit by this necromorph. Okay, now I got to think, how many necromorphs are in the room? Is it in a quarantine zone where there's a swarm of necromorphs coming? I'm going to be here for a while. Was it just one or two necromorphs that jumped me in the hallway? Now I got to start thinking of my option. Okay, I wasted that bullet. The necromorph got to me. It hit me. Do I heal now? How much health do I have remaining? Okay, if it was one hit and I was at max health, I'm going to ignore it. It's fine. But let's say it was in the yellow. Let's say it was around like 50% health and that necromorph just hit me. Now I need to think, is it worth burning this med kit that I might not get back for a while? Because if I get to the shop, yeah, I can buy a new one if I have the credits for it. But until I make it to that next shop, I don't know if I'm going to find one, if I'm going to get a drop. I don't know if a Necromorph is going to drop a med kit. All right, it's not guaranteed. I'm not sure if I'm going to find a room. Maybe I have a power node. Is it worth now using the power node to open that room to get those resources back that I just spent in this quarantine zone because I was trash and kept missing? Even though most of the game is just a shooter, and same thing goes with like Resident Evil and Silent Hill with the actual combat, it's mostly, you know, you're shooting, it's a shooter. The way they do it, that survival aspect matters a lot. If I'm shooting a Necromorph, I mean, over time I've gotten much better at the game, so I'm confident. If I go in on normal mode, I got no worries playing it on normal mode. I never beat in hardcore, and I don't plan on doing it anytime soon, because I don't, I don't feel I am skilled enough at dead space to get through hardcore mode especially on dead space 2 where it's you know one death you go back to start it's on the hardest difficulty etc 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 it's really intense and i don't think i have the skill to do that for that reason because if i miss that necromorph i'm fucked i am gonna get fucked up if i miss i won't get fucked up if i use the wrong weapon against a certain necromorph because i'm now using more ammo to kill it and shit i don't have that ammo now for the next wave that i know is coming or the next room, you know? And in terms of healing, if I have small and medium med kits, I'm going to use a small med kit first. If I know what's coming up and I know I'm just kind of like wandering the halls, I'm going to use a small med kit because nothing too much is going to happen. That way when the big fight comes and I'm stuck in a quarantine zone or a very large room where I know I can get swarmed, then I have the big guns. Then I have the medium med kits. And if I find a large med kit, fuck it, I'm going to wait. And as soon as I'm about to run out of health, burn the large med kit to get all my health back it gets scary at times even even though like i've played dead space one and dead space two a lot and i know the games very well 
I still get concerned every now and then. Because I know, because I know what's at stake. I know that each fight matters, and because I've beaten the game enough, I know what's coming up next. I know what I'm going to need for the next fight. Makes me worry if I waste it, and then if I did waste ammo, okay, what am I going to do to scavenge pieces? I mean, I remember the one time playing through Dead Space Two, and I really, I fucking botched it. I botched it so hard in one room. The next Necromorph I fought, I just kept punching it. <laughs> I was so low on ammo, and I knew the elevator sequence was coming up that I was going to have a bunch of tough-ass Necromorphs appear. So I was saving every scrap of ammo I had, and I was just punching to death the Necromorph that came after me. <laughs> I mean, it worked, but I was like, fuck me, that was tough, because now I go back to the thing, if I miss my swing, and punching Necromorphs is a last-ditch resort, it's going to hurt. That Necromorph's going to tear me up. So there, I'm much more captivated by those games because I feel every time I go into a fight, something's going to happen. There is some weight going on there, which is why it's it's really tough for me to be involved in RPGs. I Dungeons & Dragons, every game I've run, I have very, very little combat, Okay. I've had dungeons. I've had my buddies, that my players, have gone through dungeons. But through the dungeon, there's one, maybe two encounters they have. Three tops, if I really push it. And when they have those encounters, those encounters have some connection to the dungeon. It's not just wandering monsters. So, for example, I'm doing a solo with a buddy of mine. I wanted to try this whole steampunk-style world, and I'm like, you know what? The best way to do it is buy a solo, because that way, if only him and I are free, we can still play. So I figured, you know what, I want to have a little more fun with this. I want to do a little more fantasy steampunk style. So there's going to be more dungeons and stuff like that. So he goes into this dungeon, and he ends up getting involved in really four fights. There was his fifth one, but he ended up actually negotiating with the monster. Okay, I'll get to that in a minute. The first fight he got involved in was against these three zombies. Okay, you're in a crypt. Zombies are a thing. It, it's normal. It's normal for the setting. But I didn't just want to be like, yeah, here's some zombies. Go fight them. You know, spend maybe, you know, spend maybe a spell slot fighting these zombies. Just just enjoy. Just enjoy. What I ended up actually doing, the room the zombies were in was actually a guard room. So the next room that he got to found out it was covered in all this fungus. And it was actually some uh, myodins. It was a myodin sovereign in that room. And if you don't understand anything about D&D 5th edition, those are fungus-like creatures and they have this spore ability where they can unleash these spores and any corpse next to them is raised as a zombie under their control so what i did is i role played it i'm like this was this mushroom guy that he's beefy on his like he's this really big lad he can he can hit hard he can defend himself but i'm like wouldn't it be cooler though that he had some minions so these zombies were there simply to protect his territory because the crypt he was in was actually being invaded by these other monsters. So he was using the zombies as guards. My buddy, he just happened to stumble across the room and ended up shit got involved in these zombie fights. And then when he actually found the Sovereign, who, mechanically speaking, these mushroom guys are actually peaceful. And if you approach them non-violently, they're up for, you know, giving you safe shelter and things like that and being peaceful and things like that. So he immediately decided to go at it 
but then took a step back. He's like, wait, I think I actually might be intelligent. So they, they did a quick shot to hit it, and it got pissed off. But then he's like, wait a minute, I think I actually might be intelligent. So they backed up a bit to get out of the room so the guy couldn't reach him. And then a dialogue actually opened up. And he was like, yeah, you know, the zombies are just to protect me. You know, sorry about that. You seem capable. You want to help me out here. And they made a deal. So he circumvented the combat by having that negotiation. And then the zombies weren't just trashed to waste his resources. There was some connection overall. And then when he got down to the second floor of the crypt, he was finding some skeletons. And instead of just being like, here's some skeletons, I had this magical trap. There were these carved wooden planks hanging from the ceiling. And then we entered the area that those planks were surrounding, skeletons started to rise. And he had to destroy the planks to break the magic circle to prevent the skeletons from rising again. And it turns out the Shaganin that moved into the crypt... They were the ones that created it. They were using it to protect their turf now. You know, there was it was an area that they were using to raise eggs of newborns because it was a sunken crypt that was underwater. So the skeletons were simply there to just protect the territory. So again, it was a trash fight in terms of, yeah, he might have had to use a spell slot or something or use a potion to get through, but I didn't want it to just be another random fight. I wanted to have something involved. And the first room he went into only had one of those circles, and he was found out what he had to do, and he took it down. But the next room he entered actually had three of those. And he's like, hold up. We're not going to enter the room yet. And he was actually using ranged weapons and a grappling hook and stuff like that to start, like, tearing down the planks. So when he entered the room, there was no combat. That is what I like. like RPGs that do that, I like. Because that combat, even though he circumvented some of the combat through negotiation or through clever ideas, it meant that he was learning something from previous combat. And then implementing it to either improve his – to just improve his chance of survival overall, whether it was improving his chance at winning the combat or just getting around the combat. I think that's the greatest way to use combat in something like D&D because right there, I'm now learning from what just happened. It's not just, okay, I'm fighting another thing. You know, there are games, and I know I know some people that they love going through a D&D campaign that is – Run into the dungeon, murder all the goblins, take the gold, and walk out. That's fine. Like, there's, like I said, everyone has their opinion on this, and there's a time and a place for that kind of combat. And if you have a mixed bag of players, like someone like me who likes more story stuff, like I like combat, but again, I like story combat. I don't like just walking into a room, shooting a, shooting a goblin, and moving on. I don't like that kind of combat. If I'm in a party with someone else who does like that, especially if they're maybe a first or second time player who's just playing a fighter because they're comfortable with that totally put in that combat that allows them to just go crazy and murder a bunch of shit i'll be over here playing because i usually play support roles i'll be over here being the support role i'll help you out i'll keep you healed i'll buff you something like that just i'll keep you going and then when it matters i'll step in that's usually what i end up doing like if it matters if it's a dialogue that matters i'll interject and i'll i'll, I'll talk i'll handle it i'll help i'll do whatever i gotta do but if it's just another goblin that we're fighting, I'll be like, yeah, go ahead. You, you got this, fam. Like, this is your time to shine. And my friends know that. Like, my friends that, are, that I'm playing with, that I'm in, a, I'm in one of their games, they know that. So your take, like, it, what do you think? Like, everyone plays different games that have different style of combats. Like, I, mean, I didn't even touch about, like, Metroidvania or anything like that or Hollow Knight, which I really liked Hollow Knight. But I still get that feeling out of Hollow Knight where I can circumvent it. You know, if I'm exploring Hollow Knight or any Metroidvania-style game, for the most part, you can avoid most combat and just go straight for the big bads. And in the end, that's what I did with Hollow Knight, 
when I knew where it is that I had to go, I just rushed there. I didn't care to fight all the little bad guys because they didn't matter. Like, I didn't need any Geo. I wasn't looking to buy anything. I was pretty much set there. And my soul vessel was filled. I didn't need any more souls, so I was just dodging them to get straight to the boss. And then when it came to the boss rush, which was the God Seeker, yeah, the God Seeker DLC, I loved that to death. Fighting big bad bosses? Hell yeah! Coliseum of Fools? Fuck yeah! I was all about that shit. Because, especially the Coliseum of Fools, as much as it's just mostly trash mobs, like, there really isn't any bosses, except for, like, the very end of each trial has some sort of boss. It's really, there's really no boss until the third trial. That's when you really fight a boss. I was loving it to death because I was fighting trash, but dying against the trash meant going back to start. I had agency in what I was doing. When did I, like, what charms did I go in with? When did I heal? How many times I got hit? And hell, the third run, the uh, the fool, the like the final challenge, when you reach that part where the spikes came out of the floor and you had to simply just wall hop and fight aerial enemies, destroyed me. It took me so long to get through that to find out the best balance of jumping and attacking and dodging. It was tough, but I loved it. I always went back. And as much as I learned the first, like, two-thirds of the the challenge, the trial, I knew, like, the back of my hand because I had to get through all that to get back to the point I was stuck at. I was still invested in it because I'm still thinking, okay, I need to make sure I don't get hit here so I have as much health and as much soul as possible when I reach the hard part. And then also I started to think, wait a minute. What other charms could I use to, one, in prove my chances of getting past this wall jumping bullshit but also what charms could i use to just make the earlier parts easier because like having an easier time there again i'll have more soul and i have more health going into the challenging parts all that combat mattered all of it mattered to me it mattered and i felt there was some agency in it i wasn't just punching random enemies to get to the next fight what mattered was what was going on in front of me so, whenever I'm looking at games, I find it so hard nowadays, thanks to my taste in games now. You know, like Cuphead, Fury. I mean, I have The Witcher, but even The Witcher I'm finding hard to to stay in on because I'll be walking around and be like, oh no, I gotta fight some ghouls. Okay, I stabbed them. Like, I'm not saying The Witcher's bad. I see why people like it. I'm just finding it really hard to be invested in this very lengthy game that has a compelling story yet what it's the story is filled with i'm finding tough and like some of the side quests are enjoyable i'm just finding it tough to really stay invested where some of the quests is like here's a couple gnolls again what about that banshee that banshee i fought in the beginning was great the demon of the well i love that quest like there was something about that monster for me to learn i really loved it so because i have you know these feelings now that i built on games like I said, I find it hard to to find games to play, and simply because of my taste, at least in terms of like action oriented RPG games. You know, I got games like Dev, you know, Game Dev Tycoon that I'm loving. Keep talking, nobody closes. An amazing game. Boom, you win. You know, Minecraft. All those non combat games, I find fun for other reasons. But when it comes to combat, when it comes to what is the core mechanic driving everything. That's where I find it challenging because 
when you have combat in your game, be it a shooter, be it an RPG or whatever, what keeps the player going is the story and the combat working in unison. Does the combat help you improve yourself or help you learn about what's going on in this world? And does the story give you enough of a care to keep going? Because again, The Legend of Heroes, I'm not a fan of all the trash fights I have to do, but I like the story. So I will grit my, I will like just focus and say, you know what? Yeah, I know I got to go through a little extra trash. Yet, on the other side of that trash, there's that next town. I'm going to learn so much there. I'm going to get more quests that actually are of my level. Like, I have a reason to continue, even though it might get a little ugh at times with just trash mobs. Something at least is pulling me along. So, yeah, that's like my, my rant. I was thinking about it the other day because I started playing Heroes again. I'm like, yeah, I'm not like the combat here can just get tiring at times. <laughs> So I want to bring it up. I thought it's it's really important because there's one of two ways I feel that you look at that you have combat in a game, at least a single player game. You there's one of two versions: trash mobs or story mobs. You know that fight that's just there to entertain, and that fight that's there to actually progress in some way that matters, that has an impact in some way. I don't see much of a middle ground between the two. There might be. You, you, you might say there is, you might prove me wrong. And if you do, I welcome it. I, I welcome people telling me I'm wrong. And again, I'm I'm doing the Twitter thing. By the 50th episode, I will have Twitter set up. And then, you know, you can tear me up all you want on Twitter if you disagree with the last shit I've been saying. And you're just waiting to tweet at me. Go ahead. I don't care. Be respectful. That's all I ask. Is be respectful and go ahead. You can tell me what you think. You can tell me I'm wrong and why. Whatever. I'm open for the discussion. Like, I'm waiting for the 50th episode because I figure that's a special landmark. So if you want to wait and just let that see through a little bit and then blow it up my face later, go ahead. Again, I welcome it. Just don't call me a fucking ass. Like, be nice. So, yeah, that's it for today. That's it for our little discussion today. That'll be fun. And, yeah, just, like I said, creeping close to that episode 50. It feels good. Summer weather is uh, kicking. It's comfortable at least today yesterday was disgusting so enjoy the summertime and again if you get any sort of summer vacation because you're a teacher you're a student or whatever holly fucking lula it's right around the corner i know for me i'm done teaching on the 17th i do some region testing and i'm out and it's gonna feel good all right hopefully summer 2019 brings us some good stuff in terms of game i know swim sandy's coming out sometime summer 2019 swim sandy's gonna be coming out and you betcha i'm gonna be all over that shit so if you're not already following the guys at Decoy Games and Swim Sandy, I highly recommend you do because it's coming out soon and it's a great, great game. So catch you all later. Enjoy your week. And until next time, just you know, just be you, man. Just be you. That's all you can do.